Hello and welcome to the Business Builder Podcast with me, your host, Ricky Scott. This podcast show is brought to you by Synergy Success Network. Straight talking, no nonsense and completely uncut. So what you see is what you get. So together with my good friend and colleague, he is a serial entrepreneur, the author of the Business Builder book, How to Plan, Develop and Build a Sustainable Seven-Figure Trades Business, Mr. Mark Legg. But Mark is not with me today on this episode. He has left me solely responsible to deliver with this special guest that I've got today. And I can probably see why he didn't want to be in on this one. It's going to probably need an 18 rating once we finish with uh, my special guest today. So without further ado, I introduce you to our good friend and power team partner, Mark Jones, the mortgage man. How you doing, mate? You all right, mate? Yeah, good. Good to have you here. Thank you. What do you reckon then? Soon yeah, as your podcast. Right. Yeah, I think yeah? I think this could work, mate. Yeah, it will work, yeah. mate. I've been. Do you know what? I've been quite excited about getting you on the show because um, obviously the listeners won't know, but the interaction that I have with you and the conversations that I have with you quite often leave me left in stitches. Um, so um, yeah, let's let's uh, let's give a good show, mate. Yeah, let's hope Go I can deliver that. today. Then, I'm mate. sure you will. I'm sure you will. I'm going to put a parental warning on the show. <laughs> yeah, that I think yeah. After we My language is terrible. <laughs> I must admit, when I'm around other sort of finance people, I do end up looking a bit like the Chav, I suppose. Do you? But, um, oh, yeah, really? but I don't like them anyway, so that's, no, that's fine. fair enough. That's yeah. fair enough. So, so Mark, um, Mark the Mortgage Man, yes. let's talk a little bit about your business. Um, so, obviously, you came into our ecosystem, if you like, um, through... I can't even remember. How did we meet you? Uh, do you know, I think it was Mark was sending me um, some of his colleagues um, to do their mortgages. Yeah. And then eventually me and Mark met um, and then we met. Yeah. Um, and it just, like just you said, sort of snowballed it did, there. didn't it? I yeah. don't actually remember a time where we did meet. I just remember us knowing each other and just sort of yeah, having yeah, a laugh every time cool, we get together. It? Yeah, that <laughs> was it. I mean? Yeah. And then I'd... Um, do you know, it was one of those, wasn't it? We put an hour in the diary to meet and then I'd yeah. end up being here all afternoon. Yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> and we wouldn't shut up and none of us would get any work done. Oh, that's so, it. Yeah, that's it's all good. It. And then we found out you were an old policeman. Yeah, so back in the day, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, don't think the um, listeners have heard that yet, but uh, maybe that's for another episode. Maybe, so, mate, um, you've got some mad stories. Got some so, mad um, stories there, yeah. To share and you've got stories. some good stories as well. about well, your On stories. the opposite side, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll dive a bit deeper into that maybe. But anyway, back... Back to Mark the Mortgage Man, because ultimately you're a power team partner. Um, you're engaging with lots of our business builders already, aren't you? Yeah. In terms, and I think, well, no, I know that you've already secured a mortgage for one of our business builders. Yeah, I've done a couple. I think, um, yeah, it's, it's been different doing it for the um, for your guys uh, because of what they're trying to create. So normally okay. I'm so used to getting someone a house yeah. um, or saving them some money. I suppose doing what we do with you guys is we're actually making dreams and it sounds a yeah. bit sort of corny, but the way that we're being able to um, help people invest their money, which yeah. is, I suppose, really what you and Mark are trying to get people to do and invest it in the right way. Absolutely. Um, and that obviously starts with a family home and sort of putting the roots down. So yeah, it's been really nice actually to sort of be part of it and yeah. watch watch people's business grow to a point where we can get them a mortgage Absolutely. and then watch their life and family life grow uh, once they've got it and made money on it. That's yeah, the, definitely. Um, that, well, that's the ultimate goal, isn't definitely. it? Definitely. Yeah. their money right. But, so what's your background in mortgages and how did you come about to, yeah, to so, in this very boring... So I've got a well, funny, my opinion, yeah. it's boring. <laughs> that's why it's a bit of a funny story, actually, go on, how go I for ended it. up in mortgages. 
I worked in hotels um, and I didn't really know what I was doing. What did doing. you do in hotels? A bit of everything, a bit of a waiter. I started actually washing pans, so I got yeah. kicked out of college. <laughs> like, really? Shock. Yeah, like many 18-year-olds. Um, and I found myself washing pans in a hotel. And I was washing pans, and I was probably not a very good pan washer. And, um, I still like to go out and have a few drinks and all the other bits. Yeah. And so the morning shift is terrible. And... Um, yeah, and I suppose actually it was chefs that actually sort of beat me around the head a little bit. Yeah. And I'd be chatting to them and they'd be like, hey, like, there's so much more you can offer yeah. than washing pans. <laughs> and them stitching me up with their burnt pans and me throwing <laughs> pans back at them. And I used to have a right laugh, but I'd never got anywhere. And then I um, started to, I suppose really what hotels bought me was I started to be around people that were dedicated to their jobs. So you can't mm. be a chef unless you're dedicated. Yeah, and that's where I started to understand that life, you needed to be dedicated in something. 100%. Um, so yeah. I started to put a bit more focus on life and stopped washing pans um, and then became a waiter, became a conference host, and then finally ended up being a conference banking and manager. So running okay. quite big dinners, actually. I've done yeah. some royal visits, uh, Princess Anne. I've done, oh, wow. Yeah. They let you loose on I the know. royal family. <laughs> I know. Fuck off. I know. Actually, I was in the lineup. <laughs> And um, Princess Anne comes up and she goes, I was only 22 at the time, but I was in one of the biggest hotels in the country doing my job. And I was blagging it, totally blagging it. Literally, I was just blagging everything. I didn't have a clue. And um, I'm in the lineup and she goes, oh, you're very young for this job. And I thought she I was, she was bit, coming on to you, mate. Well, I thought yeah. she was a bit patronising, actually. <laughs> so my reply to her was, well, I'm hoping for the Queen one day, but I suppose I'll have to settle for Princess Anne. <laughs> <laughs> And, um, How did that go down? Wow, it was a bit weird. The whole Off day, his head. Was, yeah, the, the whole day was a bit weird to be honest. Yeah. Um, but she seemed to like it a bit, and she turned around to me and she goes, "Well, if you end up with a queen one day at one of your dinners, you would have done very well." And I never made it to a queen's dinner, so, uh, so I suppose the joke's on me, really. Um, but yeah, I used to do some mad things, football clubs. Um, so yeah, I've met um, all the footballers. Um, yeah, just crazy things, actually. I'm just trying to think what I've done with the footballers. And I remember uh, when Man United played Barcelona, beat Barcelona in Champions League. Uh, yeah. Old Trafford, we had the home team. Okay. And um, so Cristiano Ronaldo, Rooney and everyone were in the room. Just Cristiano just sort of doing keepy-ups with an apple. Really? Uh, so I walked past <laughs> him, gave him a bit of a nudge. Yeah, what, mate? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, what else? We nearly nicked Van der Sar, Edwin Van der Sar's watch. Yeah, no he way. just left it. He left his fat Rolex on the table after dinner. And uh, me and my assistant manager at the time, I said he was straight laced. He was like, oh, we're going to have to take this down to a set. You're like, straight laced, aren't you? Oh, of course, man. Of course, I'm a mortgage advisor. Yeah. And I was like, fuck that, mate. We'll keep this in the office <laughs> <laughs> until they come and get it. Um, yeah, I, I remember. Um, do you remember Rubinho when he signed for Man City? Yeah, kind of. Mate, kind he of, yeah. uh, maybe did a couple of bit. I tried to nick his football boots, <laughs> but okay. he came back and asked for them. Oh, right. <laughs> I tried hiding them under a table, and he came back really panicking. He's like, "I've only got one pair of boots." I was like, oh, fair play, mate. You can have them. Then. Oh, what are those under there? <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I did, uh, Tandulka, a cricketer. I uh, I nicked his training top. Um, from the laundry one day. So yeah, I used to do these mad things with his footballers I used yeah. to, and the cricketer. I used to get on really well with cricketers. Um, so I used to do a bit with me and Kevin Peterson about a few arguments in our time. Really? Yeah. Wow. I, these, um, are, these are stories I've not heard from Yeah, you. yeah. So I met, it was just a mad time, but I really enjoyed it. And I was working hard, playing hard, yeah. and I just hit a brick wall in the end. Yeah. And just hit a total brick wall and just found myself that... 
I was working 70, 80 hours a week, but actually earning yeah. very little. Yeah. So what I was trying to do was work out how I could put that energy, but actually create a better life for myself. Yeah. Um, I obviously, like I said, you know, I left school with nothing, got kicked out of college. <laughs> so qualifications weren't really, uh, weren't my forte. And I was um, doing a um, conference for a, a mortgage network. Okay. And um, the guy who was running it basically said to me, he was like, do you know what, if you're in sales, and mortgages, the amount of effort that you put into your job, the amount of enthusiasm you have, and the energy that you have about yourself, you'd make a fortune. Right. And that sort of got me thinking. Um, he then came back to the hotel about a month later, um, and ended up buying my first house. Uh, so he told me how to get 100% mortgage, which is what you could do at the time. Okay. Um, and between him and my boss, I had a really good boss, Dean Vazili, um, in the hotel. And between those two, they sort of, um, I suppose, took this sort of live wire kid and actually made me realise that I was earning good money. Um, like I went into the boss's office one day and I was like, mate, this is a joke. Once I've paid all my bills, I've only got a grand left in my bank account. And the GM turned to me and was like, well, mate, you've probably got more in your bank account than me once I've paid all my bills. <laughs> and I just had no idea of money. I had no idea yeah. of disposable income and stuff like that. I was just spending and spending and just seeing what I had left at the end of the week type yeah, thing. Of course. So between the boss and this guy with the mortgages, they helped me get my first mortgage. Yeah. Um, and then I got a bit of a bug for property. I started to realise how much money you could make in property. Very lucrative, isn't it? Very, yeah. yeah. So, for example, I bought a three-bed flat, rented two rooms out to my mates. They paid my mortgage, my fees. Uh, they basically paid all my living costs. So yeah. then my income was then just for me. So yeah, I could go yeah. and drink and party more. Yeah, um, So I started to understand a bit more how property can create wealth. Yeah. Um, so that's how I, I started sort of going down the property route. I then... Um, I came in contact with this guy again about a year later and he was like no, serious now Mark and it was um, coming into a recession hotels um, hotel. my job was really good in hotels if you had mm. the A class class celebrities you had the football teams but then in 08 everything started changing people didn't mm. want to pay those prices you weren't getting good conferences um, so it became really sort of quite dire actually so okay. the whole atmosphere changed in hotels so it was no longer fun and this guy basically said to me look it's not great in mortgages but for what you're doing and in 10 years time and if you put a 10 year plan together yeah. you'll do really well so that's how I sort of went on this so you kind of, I guess you almost fell into the Massively industry, fell yeah. into it, yeah. And then I suppose this is the best bit. So I then started going on this search for a job in mortgages. So um, I realised then I had to get a qualification. Yeah. So I started to do my exams and like anything with a job, trying to get the qualification to do the job is completely different. You've got to learn about a lot of things that actually never impact your job. So true. I had the same when I was uh, going through the process of joining the police. Um, you, it's a very lengthy process. Yeah, and then you come through it, and you're like, you, half of this stuff you're just not even gonna, you're not even gonna use. You know, all you need to know about is how to roll around with a drunk person. That's it. <laughs> and how to retain him, yeah, yeah retain right. him, and uh, and try not to get punched yourself. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. they don't teach you that yeah. bit though, do they? <laughs> and uh, and I felt exactly like that. So I was doing these exams. And I was failing. And I was thinking, like, oh, my God, obviously, I'm not cut out to be a mortgage advisor. Yeah. But anyway, I kept going. Um, and then I finally um, passed. But the way I passed, though, I had to put a bit of pressure on myself. So what I decided to do was I decided to go and start interviewing for a mortgage job. So I knew I didn't have the qualification. I didn't have any sales experience. Um, but I started to interview. So I was going for these interviews. And I was being told the same thing. Oh, great personality. Oh, great energy. Um, you'd definitely be able to sell 
but you've got no sales experience and you've got no qualification. So I was like, ah, oh, what am I going to do? So well, I, at least you could wash the teacups after tea breaks. And, you know, and I could serve them very nicely. <laughs> and I could carry seven plates on my arms. <laughs> and if everyone wanted cake, I'm your man. <laughs> But they didn't care. <laughs> I'm going to speak to Mark and get you hired in here. Definitely, mate. I am like... <laughs> With those skills. Yeah, definitely. I'd be like the super waiter. Yeah. You know, I could bring up like, God, you don't want to know how many cups of coffee I can hold. <laughs> You'd be mind boggled by it. Brilliant. So, um, and my party trick actually is yeah. I can do seven plates. Um, I'm going to have to so, get you to do that one day. Mate, definitely. Like you that, put yeah. me to the test. Quite a lot of people do, actually. Yeah. Um, not to say that how the food would come onto the, onto the <laughs> yeah. table or anything it doesn't look very nice once it's got to the table but i can carry seven plates whether there's still food on those plates at the end is a different story and um, so i ended up going for job interviews i then realized i need to get some sales training and yeah. um, so i went into banks so i okay. started i took a pay cut and um, went back down to minimum wage and i actually joined the credit card department at lloyd's bank okay so i'm sat in this room i'm probably about 22 maybe a bit older, maybe yeah. 23 by this point. And I'm basically in this department with a bunch of 16 and 18 year olds. Oh, wow. And I suppose it was a bit like quite humbling for myself because I, I thought- I imagine you fitting in quite well. I did with, fit in, probably yeah. fat, fitting in a bit too well, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I certainly wasn't the most mature. Um, but it made me realize that actually I needed to do this because I'd taken a big pay cut. I was putting a lot of pressure on my own finances at that point. Yeah. Um, and it needed to work. So I learned my sales through through that. And ironically, you don't sell in a bank. It's it's a numbers game. So yeah. you don't learn any sales, but it's tick the box on the CV that everyone needed. Yeah. Um, so I was working for that. I then decided to go for this interview um, at a big mortgage broker. So I turned up there all suited and booted, thinking I'm like the bee's knees. I get there and finally I'm now with people my age, at least in the interview. So <laughs> that was a bit of an improvement. Um, so I start doing the interview and they did. we did a presentation, an IQ test and a one-to-one -one interview. So we did the IQ test first. As you probably know, <laughs> I am not your man the, for IQ If the tests. listeners can see the expression on my face right now, um, it says it all. Yeah, carry on, mate. Yeah. So, um, so I did the IQ test and I'm sort of thinking, oh, God, what's the point in staying? Like, I've just flunked that. The funniest thing is I'm driving there um, in the car with my girlfriend, now my wife, and she's like throwing these like, um, like IQ type questions at mm -hmm. me. Like just stupid things, like um, name the seasons. Name the seasons. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, what months are in each season and stuff? And I'm already at a loss. I'm thinking like, I'm getting my winters mixed up with my springs and my autumns oh. and uh, all sorts. So me and my missus were having a right crack on the way down. So in a way, it was a good thing because yeah. it got me into that sort of attitude of, oh, well, I'm going to flunk this anyway. Yeah. So I get in there, I get to the IQ test, and believe it or not, they didn't care about what the seasons were. They cared a lot more about other important things like the square root and stuff. Oh, and, man, um, I'd be lost. Yeah. And so anyway, I did it all and um, I then did my presentation. Um, I then did my interview um, yeah. and basically in the interview they were like look it's the same thing you're a great guy you've got a great personality you've got some sales experience so at least I was ticking that box now and um, but the IQ test and I was like yeah the IQ test and they were like well you didn't 
really um, pass what we would need um, because they the reason they're doing the IQ test is that they're paying for your training. Yeah. So they want to make sure you can pass these qualifications. Yeah, of course, because I would imagine they're quite intense. They are yeah. really intense. And the way that they did it, it was a two-week intensive session. Mm. So you did have to be an intelligent chap. And everyone's got degrees and I haven't got a degree. So I'm mm. already feeling a bit overwhelmed. Anyway, um, we're in this interview and he goes, our only worry is whether you'd be able to pass the qualifications. In my mind, knowing that I've already passed a few of these tests, yeah. I'm thinking, well, no, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> I can prove that to myself. <laughs> so for some reason, I just said to him, oh, don't worry, mate, I've already got the qualification. And he was like, what? It's not in your CV. And I was like, oh, yeah, sorry, mate, I forgot to put it on my CV. I've already got the qualification. And he's like, oh, well, in that case, then, that's fine. That's the only thing we're worried about is you passing the qualification. I was like, oh, yeah. don't worry, mate, I've already got it. So he was like, all right, perfect. Well, um, this was a Friday, so he was like, well, on Monday, um, scan me the certificate over, um, and then we can start getting you in, and they had an academy, and we could get you enrolled in the academy, and blah, 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 and basically start my first job in mortgages. The biggest problem was I didn't have my qualification. Right, right? okay. So I got out of the interview, and I went to the car, and me and my missus drove home, and she's like, how did it go? And I was like, well, great, I've got a job if I had a qualification, and I don't, so... Um, we then came up with this plan. So I was like, right, I rang him on Monday. I said, I've spoken to the IFS um, who do the qualifications and uh, I've lost my certificate. So they're going to send me out a new certificate. Uh, but the problem is it will have the day's date that they send the certificate out, not when I pass my test. So Jim, the gentleman, was like, that's fine, man. Don't worry. That's all good. And all I need is a certificate and then we can get you started and get your new job going. So uh, perfect. So put the phone down from him. Right. And I rang up the IFS <laughs> and just took a cancellation. So I'm now in a situation where I've got this job, but I haven't got the qualification. Yeah. So I've done all the studying. I just couldn't pass the test. And yeah. I was always failing. The, the times I did take it, I was failing by one or two marks. Right. So I knew I was nearly there, but I just couldn't do it. So I rang the test center. Well, I got my um, test booked in and it was uh, this was the Monday. I think it was the Wednesday or the Thursday for the cancellation. Went down there, did the test and luckily passed. Wow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thankfully, yeah, I that's... passed. So, um, so that was all cool. So yeah. I then already blagged the fact that the certificate will have that date on. So that was fine. Got the certificate, faxed it over to Jim. And then basically that was me then starting my mortgage career. Your career. And the moral um, of that story is you're blag it. Mate. Or, <laughs> yeah. or no, you you saw an opportunity and you took it. It's, yeah, it's definitely. all about taking chances in life. And I, I love think it. That is what it's about. And it's because I often think back, oh, what if I didn't do that? What made me say that in that interview? Because you believe in yourself, mate. And I think it was a bit of that. And a bit that I knew I could do the job, I just didn't have this flashy bit yeah. of paper that yeah, could yeah, do yeah, it. Yeah. So anyway, I then went into their academy. Um, which you take a, a basic wage and your commissions and stuff like that. And you had eight months to graduate. Um, I come in, landed, you had to do 20 mortgages a month yeah. um, and hit certain thresholds. And then that was it. And you had to do 20 mortgages a month, three months in a row. Yeah. So I came in, landed two weeks in. I'm in the post room because I've already got my qualification. <laughs> Everyone else is learning their qualification. Uh, the post, it was quite, actually, I found it quite, um, it was good in the post room because I learned the back end of mortgages. So I learned actually. What's the post room? Just so it was basically just where all the documents came in. So okay. I just had to sit there and sort out documents, pass them on to the internal underwriters, pass them on to the case managers and the advisors. And I was just slowly learning what made a mortgage. So yeah. different documents, SA302, self-employed payslips, stuff like that. Yeah, so yeah. it was really good grounding, I found. And most importantly, I was taking that two weeks to talk to other advisors to find out exactly what the job was doing. In. and 
one advisor said to me, said, Mark, this is a huge company. You just need 20 mortgages. A lot of people get hepped up on numbers. So they want to sell the million pound mortgage. They mm. want to sell the half a million pound mortgage. But actually, you just need 20 mortgages. So yeah. my advice would be is just go and find 20 mortgages. Don't go and find 20 of the biggest mortgages. Yeah. So I took that advice on board. And basically, I hit the ground running. So in the first month, I did 17 mortgages. Oh, wow. Second month, I did 20 mortgages. Then I did 21 and 23, I think it ended up being. So I ended up graduating in probably record time. Yeah, um, four months. So I ended up graduating with the, actually the, the graduates that come in the uh, the term before me. Okay. And um, so I'd overtaken sort of my peers, I suppose, within my my group. Yeah. And that was it then. I thought, wow, oh, fucking hell, like, I'm a fucking genius. Yeah. Like, mate, I'm smashing. Mark the mortgage man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm fucking smashing this. <laughs> um, and it was great. And basically, what I did was I just learned that. You you had to look to see where you wanted to be. And in my case, it was to be a full-time employee yeah. in their company and one of the big boys. But I had to work my route to get there. So why everyone else was selling these fancy mortgages around me to, oh, do you want a tracker rate? Do you want a fixed rate? I was basically going into their back books and finding 40 grand mortgages. Wow. So what I realized was that small mortgage people they didn't care. Mortgage rates had dropped so much in the recession that where they were on say a four or 5% mortgage, I was getting them like a 2% mortgage. Yeah. So I just went and found 20 of these people and because I was saving them like 100 pound, 150 quid, sometimes a bit more, there was no sales, I was just signing them up. Yeah. And um, so I sort of cheated the system in a way to sort of get to where I needed to be. So I just looked to see what I needed to do. That was the end goal, that's what I wanted to do. Yeah. So that worked really well for me. I became a bit of a legend. Um, some people hated me. In fact, a lot of people hated me because, as you know me, Ricky, I didn't quietly sit there and do these mortgages. <laughs> I can't imagine. I let everyone know. Hello. Yeah, I'm the new I'm guy. I'm on mortgage number 15. Yes. What are you on? Yes. I'm happy there. Like, you are mate. It's Monday. Well, I've done 12 mortgages this month. Just going to finish off now. Uh, how many have you got? Oh, I've only got three. Oh, well, mate. Unlucky. Some have got it some haven't <laughs> you snooze thing. you lose <laughs> that was it um but what i'd actually done was actually missed out a vital stage of my development in mortgages because i'd only learned to actually advise on small mortgages people that right. actually didn't really care yeah. there was no selling involved there was no advice that <laughs> it was just the case of i was just almost like a tesco checkout do you know what i mean yeah boop, boop, boop. <laughs> um so i then realized that i had to really retrain myself to do actually the big boy mortgages okay um so then i just went on a self-development really in myself um, I started, I absorbed everything of what I wanted to do. So um, what, one biggest thing I realized was a lot of my mates from school and college and stuff, they weren't really achievers. They didn't really want to achieve. They didn't really, I suppose, have that outlook on life of wanting everything that I wanted. Yeah. So I had to sort of reassess myself. And luckily to go to this company, I had to move anyway. So I left a lot of my mates um, and, and I moved. And I just absorbed myself for two years around some of the best mortgage advisors, the the, the Countries probably got without yeah, sounding yeah. a bit silly. Yeah. These guys were doing mad numbers, numbers that I could only ever dream of, earning money that I could only ever dream of. Yeah. And I basically just absorbed everything that they did. And what I started to realize was it wasn't about sales, it was about personality. Yeah. It was about having the facts. It was about ha delivering it clearly and understanding. Yes. So my biggest problem was I just assumed everyone knew what a mortgage was because I didn't know what a mortgage was last year, but I do know now. And they taught me that actually it's about selling different ways to different people and using even using the word selling is wrong it's just informing them mm. some people need to be formed in that way some people need to be informed this way one size doesn't fit all that's it some yeah. people are visual some people like to um sort of really digest information yeah. it's a bit and like learning isn't it massively it's, like some, that yeah some people like to learn sort of, you know 
doing online courses, others like to learn in a classroom. And that is it's, it. It's, yeah. it's not a one size fits all. And it is was it? understanding how people wanted to process the information I was giving them. Yeah. So some people wanted to sit on it for a couple of days. Some people wanted to make quick decisions. Some people wanted me to make the decision. And other people just wanted to sort of, I suppose, just sort of speak to a nice guy and yeah. just trust the guy. So I slowly started to understand that everyone was different and my way that I was approaching people was wrong. I had to start being more myself. I couldn't yeah. hide behind wearing this suit anymore. Um, I had to become myself and I had to be myself. And actually, I started to realise that everyone was in my situation of they just want a home for their family or they yeah. want a, an investment to make money. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, so I basically then just learned and started to learn with myself about different character traits, different types of people, um, you know, introverts, introverts, those types of people, yeah, how yeah, people yeah. want to be. Yeah. Um, and then I had to learn to control myself, as you know, I'm a very excitable <laughs> person and I love a chat. So I then had to start developing of how I could deliver the information as quickly as possible, yeah. or in some cases, as long as possible, if someone wanted to really go around it. Yeah, yeah, so you end up delivering almost the same information, but three or four different ways. Yeah. And then eventually the person will understand it and then you can crack on it's and do good, it. Good skill to, to have, mate. It's, yeah, that's yeah. it. And that's what these guys taught me though. I yeah. You know, you, you see, I suppose you see like city slickers on TV and you think there must be these sales guys and they're yeah. like, oh my God, look at them. Wolf of Wall Street. That's it, yeah. <laughs> and um, I bet that's right, mate. There's, yeah. there's a lot of um, there's a lot of white powder in the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where it all comes from, but you go for a piss, the mate. The world of sales, yeah. mate. That is the world um, of sales. And yeah, and that was it. And I slowly learned. I became a man, actually, is what I became. I came from being a boy to being a man. I'd had yeah. my highs. I'd had my lows. I'd been the legend. I'd been the crap. I'd, I'd been a bit of everything. Yeah. Um, so then these guys taught me basically how to present myself and how to be. Um, and it, they, what the biggest thing they showed me was actually that being yourself and just being vulnerable, mm. actually clients can see that. And if I'm vulnerable, then the client can understand that they're giving me vulnerable information yeah, and I'll trust them with yeah, it. Yeah, definitely. You kind of, um, uh, it, we, we actually do it in the leadership program that we're doing with Calvin Inspires at the moment. And uh, part and parcel of becoming a great leader and a great influencer is, is actually showing your vulnerabilities it all helps develop the know, like, and trust factor. That's it. And when somebody's purchasing a home, they want to be able to trust the broker that they're working with because it's such a big commitment. It's probably the biggest commitment anybody will ever make in their life. Massively, yeah. yeah. And I didn't... And I don't think I appreciated that at the beginning. Yeah. I thought I was just saving them money. I do a lot of remortgages. If I was purchasing or helping the first time buyer, they would get excited. And I'd sort of think, oh yeah, mate, I've been there, done that. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I suppose yeah. I wasn't really on their journey with them. Yeah. And I think that's the biggest change that I made. I started to become on their journey. Yeah, I think that's really important. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And then I got to a point where actually I stopped liking mortgages. I stopped liking this whole um, sort of sales environment. Yeah. I, I stopped liking the fact that salesmen were selling mortgages mm. and I had a conversation with an IFA an independent financial advisor one day and at the races at Ascot smashed out of my face <laughs> <laughs> and he was bragging to me about how he makes all this money and effectively not saying he stitches his clients up but basically saying how he sells his clients mm. and I walked away that day thinking what a terrible thing that the biggest things in our life is our pension and our mortgage mm. and to think that they're sold to us it actually didn't really sit well with me because no. you shouldn't be sold a mortgage you should be 
advised how to get a mortgage and Absolutely. get the best mortgage for you. Yeah. If you're having to convince, if you're having to sell to your client that this is the best thing for them, it probably isn't. You know, we're not talking about buying a Fiesta or buying a Range Rover. You know, we're talking about something that actually makes someone's life and makes someone's family environment. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and a pension. If you're having to sell someone to get a pension, well, that's terrible, isn't it? And mm. certainly if you're not doing it, maybe if you're using a pension provider that happens to pay you more commission than the other one, then that's terrible. So yeah. then I went down this route of really hating financial services, hating what it stood for, hating the people in it. Um, I realized that I wasn't one of them. Yeah. I couldn't be that guy that could just pretend to, in a way, stitch people up yeah. just for his numbers, just yeah. to look good and just to earn the money and go home at night and sleep. And it, sleep, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it really got to me, actually, for one point. And the, the case that finished it for me, and it's funny how I can remember this case, it was a guy that um, he had just retired, he had just cleared his mortgage, and he wanted to buy a car. Um, the um, the rates on an unsecured loan were really high, and he noticed that the rates on the mortgage were really low. And I'm telling him, yeah, mate, perfect. We'll get you a mortgage to buy a car. We'll mm. secure this car on your house that you've just spent 20-odd years paying off. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, mate, perfect. Sounds like a plan. I've got a mortgage sale. You've got a new car. Happy days. That happened on a Friday. By the Monday, I rang him. And I was like, mate, what are you doing, you idiot? Yeah. Why would you take and depreciate an asset of a car, yeah. secure it against your house. If you miss your payments on your house, you lose your house. You don't lose your car, yeah. you'll lose your house. And he was a car salesman. And he was saying to me, oh, that's, just, that's, that's sales, isn't it, mate? That's sales, we've all sold, uh, oh, I've sold a car that I know is gonna break down down the road. <laughs> And I was sort of like, mate, this is ridiculous. Yeah. You know, so I was like, mate, this is ridiculous. Let's not do this. You know, we're talking 15 grand, mate. I would have made about 100 quid if I was lucky. Yeah. You know, what was I going to do? Go out. I probably spent that on Saturday night going out for dinner. Yeah, yeah, You know, course. in a ridiculous yeah. way. And it yeah. really changed my attitude. So I, yeah. I really just didn't like it anymore. I was yeah. getting really, not depressed is the wrong word. I just didn't like walking into the office. Yeah. So I left that company. Um, and I, I just basically had about six months out and yeah. I just had to go away and I fall in love with property again. Yeah. <clears throat> and reminded me of why I got into mortgages was property. In that time, I'd be earning this money. I was buying property. I was renovating property and I was doing property up. Me and my missus had just sold a house and it made us a good amount of money. Um, so it made sense at that time to take the break. And it, yeah. I'm glad I took the break at that time. I then wanted to come back into mortgages, but I wanted to be a better person. I wanted to be, um, I didn't want to be a salesman. I wanted to be an advisor. I wanted to be a consultant. Yeah. And I wanted people to actually, I didn't want to be in a situation where I needed that mortgage to feed my family. Yeah. I wanted to be in a situation where I'm selling that mortgage to help someone. And the by part of helping someone is that my family then get, you know, food on the table for that. Yeah, I love so, that attitude, mate. Yeah, and yeah, that's, that was good. my train of thought. So yeah. it's funny because I had to completely come back from being around these guys that actually I adored, these guys that gave me the banter. When you're in a sales room like that, it's like being in a changing room after a football yeah. match. You've 100%. got all the highs and you've got all the lows and these guys become your best mates. They become family. Yeah. Um. So I realised then that uh, there was personalities within there and there's one guy and he'd never listen to this so I'll tell you his name is Mark McLeod and he was sort of this like this legend do you mean you'll never listen to it how do you know well that's very true he's um, <laughs> hi Mark <laughs> and um, I wanted to become him 
effectively. I hope you don't yeah. listen to this, mate. Like, oh, <laughs> ah, go on. Listen to Marky. Um, <laughs> and, I spe- and he took me under his wing as well, which really helped me. So I wanted to become him. And effectively, he was this guy that just knew the inside out of mortgages. Yeah. He just knew if there was something to know about mortgages, he knew it. And if he didn't know it, there was no point in knowing it because it was low shit. You just didn't need it. Yeah. And the way he had with his customers, he was from Carlisle. He didn't have any poshness about him. The guy was earning a fortune and he was propping his bed up at one point with his box of champagne. He'd broke his bed and he was given his box of champagne by this lender and he just used it as like basically a bed sort of leg uh, and that's the type of guy you're dealing with this guy from carlisle that just just i don't know for me he just had everything in life that i wanted he was a cool guy but he wasn't cool if that made sense yeah yeah, yeah. Um, and he was just a really nice guy to be around he really took young advisors under his wing and it wasn't about making money for him it was about being in a nice environment for him yeah um and if you got on with him he looked after you and yeah. that was the way it was sounds like he groomed you mate mate uh, do you know what <laughs> well i could talk about my, uh, my jersey story uh, no, we we won't. leave that we for won't. another episode yeah, we won't talk about that <laughs> Um, so yeah, he groomed me basically. He groomed me yeah. into being a nice human being. Good. There was a point good. I couldn't look in the mirror, and it sounds really cliche, but I couldn't look in the mirror without like without like I like myself. Yeah. I didn't like the person I was becoming, um, and I was losing friends. I'm now just picturing you stood in the bathroom like, in the morning, going, "Hey, you the man, And I think mean, the biggest the thing was though because I was becoming such like an arrogant twat. <laughs> I, I was losing friends. I was losing the right friends yeah. because they weren't the friends that were going to get me to where I wanted to be in life yeah. but even still there were benchmarks for me there were people I shouldn't have been losing friends with mm. because I was becoming a bit of a flashy guy yeah. I was buying multiple properties I was owning multiple properties I was driving nice cars I had nice watches yeah. but I didn't like myself and that's the bottom no, line I, honest, I can honestly say yeah. that I didn't like myself um, but I liked all the other stuff I loved the material yeah. stuff by oh, the way yeah, mate. I drive a shit car nowadays <laughs> <laughs> Um, but anyway, so that's where it Draw all started going. Cars, use pink phones. Yeah, I don't know. I love the pink phone. And like now I don't bother wearing the watches and stuff. I have them no. at home. And you yeah. know, in fact, you know, actually I went to change the battery in one of these fancy watches and it was 60 quid to change the battery. No way. And it was the principle. I'm not paying 60 quid to wear a, wear a flashy bit of crap on my wrist yeah. anymore. <laughs> and it wasn't even about the money. It was just the fact of where's your life come? You know, you've got the Mont Blanc pen. Now I look and I'm in a meeting and someone pulls out the Mont Blanc pen. Yeah. I think I used to be you. Oh my I god! So you be... really have kind of like gone on a journey, turned a corner. Yeah. Do you think? Um, and trying to bring this in, and uh, yeah. Do you think parenthood's done that to you? Definitely, definitely, yeah. because because think... just just for for, for our listeners' um, uh, purposes, uh, for our listeners' purpose, you're you're a father. Yeah. You've got a daughter. Yeah. So you know it's that does ground people. Definitely, and I think for me it, it was that because what happened was I started to realise that the world is bigger than what actually you think it is. So when you're in these materialistic sort of bubbles, because everyone else is like that around you, you know, on payday in that office, it was when iPhones and iPads were just coming out. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and like now I sit back and I think, oh my God, mate, like the amount of money. I was in Vegas and we paid like a thousand dollars just to get this table in this nightclub. Really? And just silly things like that. And now I think that like. But you've, you've, it's a life experience, isn't it? It is a life experience. So you've experience. gone through it and you've probably got some great memories. Yeah, it was cool. It was times. really cool. But I, we abused money. 
Yeah. And that's the bottom line. So now, so when I come back and I decided to come back into mortgages, I yeah. had to set myself some ground rules. Yeah. One of those was I'd only help people. It wasn't about the money. It was about helping people now. It's about yeah. getting people onto the property ladder that thought they couldn't. Yeah. And most importantly, it's about communicating with people that felt that we were better than them. Financial mm. advisors seem to think they're better than other people. Okay. And a lot of mortgage advisors I meet seem to think they're better than people because yeah. they want the solicitors, they want the accountants. I was fed up with going to London to meet the fancy solicitor and being not spoken to like a piece of shit, but spoken down to, yeah. being on their agenda. So mm. one day I was in London meeting a partner for a big um, legal um, practice and the PA comes in, I was going to be an hour late. And I was thinking, oh yeah, that's fine. Don't worry, that's fine. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Suck his dick, cool, happy days, <laughs> don't worry about me. But then inside I was like, whoa, wait there, yeah. mate. If I was an hour late for this meeting, yeah. we'd have a completely different, exactly. you know, sort of You attitude. know, it's really weird you should say that because um, uh, one of the things that Mark and I are very mindful about um, as we've headed into this new year is valuing our time more. Yeah. Um, we, we've got such an open door policy here at Synergy and that's great and we do, we welcome anybody here. Um, but sometimes you've just got to take a step back and, and you've got to value your time. Definitely. And everybody should respect each other's yeah. time. And, and like, you know, you've it's... got kids, so you understand yeah. that. Mm. Before I had a kid, I didn't understand that. I expected, I just thought everyone could run their life. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Like, yeah. if you were like 10 minutes late for me, I'd be like, mate, where have you been? Yeah. And if it wasn't a good enough excuse, I think, well, I won't be meeting you again. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. And so I was valuing time in sort of the opposite way as well. I was With almost you. putting too yeah. much value on my time. Yeah. But then not enough on someone else's but then expecting them to be valuing my time like i i'm not valuing there yeah, so anyway yeah, it came yeah. up in a bit and um it just came to a head basically and i just you know i got fed up of dealing i got fed up of chasing the rich man i got fed up of being the rich man's gopher i got fed up of being um the poor guy helping the rich guy mm. and i got fed up of the on their time type attitude. So I decided i was like right from now on if i'm going to do mortgages and i'm going to enjoy delivering my advice I only want to give advice to people that one, appreciate my advice, two, can appreciate that they're getting good advice, um, and three people that just like, not even appreciate it, but just want to do something with my advice. Mm. So that then led me down a path of actually, I wanted to just deal with people in my comfort zone. So then I started to go on sort of another bit of a journey to try and find, well, who's in my comfort zone? Mate, not many people in my comfort zone, mate. Not many people in my zone half the time. Um, so then I started to sort of, I was working with all different people, accountants, solicitors, Joe Bloggs working in Lidl or, you know, all these different people. And then I just find myself, I just really enjoyed working with construction people. Yeah. I just didn't have to put the suit on. I felt like in the morning I was putting this mask on yep. and I was having to go and pretend to be this person. So I wouldn't swear in a meeting. And if I did swear, I'd apologize. And I'd apologize for being maybe unprofessional. And, yeah. and then I sort of realized that actually I'm giving good advice. And I know I'm giving good advice. And the reason I can give good advice is because I've got multiple properties. Yeah. I struggled to buy my first house. It was luck that got me my first house. It was two people that had no relation to me helped yeah. me do something yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and then I've made money from property I've made good money from property I've made a, a good pension from mm. it so I started to realize that I wanted to give back but most importantly I wanted to enjoy my job yeah so by working with construction guys I didn't have to wear a suit 
I could put a pair of jeans on, put a shirt on, and still feel overdressed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. and I was liking that. But the important factor is, is that you're able to be yourself. Massively, and, yeah. And that is really important. If, totally. If, Why would yeah. you take advice from someone that's faking it? Oh, exactly. That's the yeah. mental thing. And we all look for this. We all have this idea of what a mortgage advisor should be. So they turn up with their suit on. They've got their fancy car. They've got their fancy watch. Yeah. And they must be doing well in life. And, you know, there was a time I wasn't doing well in life. Mm. So I know exactly what it's like not to be doing well in life. Yeah. And there's times now I've had my daughter and my wife been on maternity and unpaid maternity because she wanted, you know, you know what it's like. They can't go yeah. back after their time. Can yeah. they go enjoy the child, you know, all that. <laughs> so we've struggled. And certainly yeah. this last year we've struggled. Yeah. And it's not a problem with struggling. So what I've basically found it does is matter. That, I think sometimes struggling makes you appreciate the finer things in life. Definitely, You mate. know, the, the more 100%. basic things in life. You 100%. Know? And just yeah. to realise that actually having something to stress about is actually quite nice. Yeah. Because you've got something to take your mind off other things. Yeah. You know, and just stuff like that. So I, I basically what I come down to is I decided to start being myself. Yeah. What that then opened up was people more honest to me. Yeah. So when I'm dealing with these solicitors and these accountants, they're giving me all these fancy numbers. But what I'd do is I'd find that I'd go away, check their credit score, and actually they're in masses of debts, but they just haven't got the balls to tell me over the table because yeah. they're trying to hold this persona in their big company, in yeah, their big flashy of office. Yeah. And same with accountants. So I was actually spending so much time backtracking on stuff, mm. ringing them, can you just clarify this? Can you clarify that? Oh, that's not what the paperwork's showing. That's not what this showing. Yeah. When I work with construction guys or just people in my my reach, I suppose, and my yeah. level, yeah, yeah, we're yeah. all honest to each other. Yeah. So if I'm late, oh, I'm really sorry, I'm late, bit of traffic, you yeah. know, no hard feelings. No, if they're late, oh, I know you're late, that's fine, it's yeah, understandable, yeah, yeah, you know, we've yeah. all got busy yeah. lives. But most importantly, when it comes to debts and credits and credit scores and what they've done, what mistakes they've done, the more honest you can be with me, the better advice I can give you. So Definitely. why wouldn't you be like that? Absolutely. And I've got to say, Mark, and I, I'll speak from the heart here. One of the one of the reasons I'm quite drawn to you and I get on well with you is because <laughs> you are an authentic guy. You you are what you see is what you get with you. And, um, yeah. and uh, I'm attracted to people like that because I'm I'm the same. Um, you know, I, I believe in authenticity. I believe I don't believe in having to into in faking yourself to be somebody that you're not. Yeah. Um, so it's great, and it's great having you on the power team. It's great seeing you interact with the business builders, and it's great to have you in the network. So look, I could sit here and speak to you all day long, and I know that you could sit here and speak all. I love day it, mate. Long. You know it. I love um, it. But we are. Coming to an end of the episode. I hope you've enjoyed it. I've really enjoyed listening to you today. Um, Going to come on again? Yeah, I don't see why not. I reckon I should get some royalty fees we, or something. We'll, we'll I want like a that. penny an episode. A penny an episode. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, look, we'll have that discussion later on down the line. Um, but in the meantime, I definitely want you to come back on the show. There's so much more that I know that we can, we can share tell the with Jersey listeners. Story. And we can tell the Jersey story. We can kind of make it a late night episode. Um, but anyway, for today, um, we're going to have to wrap Hashtag up. Hashtag me too. Yeah. So look, just before we sign off. Um, you know, I want our listeners to know how they can contact you. You know, you deliver a great service. Like I say, you're very authentic. Yep. People want to deal with someone like you when they're obtaining a mortgage. How do we get in contact with you? So first of all, I don't have a website because um, that's one of the things I got rid of yeah. when I decided to go on this mental journey. Um, so LinkedIn and Facebook. So yep. the Mortgage Man Mark Jones on Facebook is my page um, yep. or hashtag Mortgage Man Mark Jones. And on LinkedIn, um, it's exactly the same. It's Mark Jones and then Mortgage Man Mark Jones. And that's it. Just message me on that. Message me on Facebook. Um, 
and that's it. Brilliant. Drop me an email if you want, Mark Jones. It's not even Mark Jones, mate. It's not. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to retry that? Yeah, it's Mark at jfinance.com. It's not even Mark Jones, <laughs> Do you know what? It's Mark, no, 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 no. It's marketjfinance.co.uk. Yeah. And my mobile number is 07595 631 458. Sure about that? No, no, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> I only say it 10 times a day. No, I'm not sure. Brilliant. Okay, mate. Well, thank you for joining me today. Absolutely brilliant. And to the listeners, thank you for joining us in this episode. We will be back again with more. So don't forget to subscribe so that you can be kept up to date and notified with all the latest episodes. Also, you can follow Mark, and that's Mark Legg, and myself on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Um, Reach out and contact us across all of those platforms. So thank you for now, and goodbye.